Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 597. I came back to camp dripping wet and miserable. It turns out the boots I'd bought in Severin didn't have a lick of waterproofing, so they drank rainwater like sponges. In the evening, I could dry them out using the heat of the fire and a little careful sympathy. But as soon as I took three steps, they were soaked through again. So on top of everything, my feet had been cold and damp for days. It was our twenty-ninth day in the Eld, and when I came over the tiny ridge that hid our latest camp, I saw Dayton and Hespi sitting on opposite sides of the fire, ignoring each other. Hespi was oiling her sword. Dayton was idly jabbing the ground in front of him with a pointed stick. I wasn't in much mood for conversation myself. Hoping the silence held, I went wordlessly to the fire. Except there was no fire. What happened to the fire? I asked stupidly. What had happened was rather obvious. It had been left to burn down to charred sticks and damp ashes. It's not my turn to get wood, Hespi said pointedly. Dayden poked at the dirt with his stick. I noticed the beginnings of a bruise high on his cheek. All I wanted in the world was a little something hot to eat and ten minutes with dry feet. It wouldn't make me happy, but it would bring me closer to happy than I'd been all day. I'm surprised the two of you can piss without help, I spat. Dayden glared up at me. Just what do you mean by that? When Alvaron asked me to do this job for him... He implied I would have adults helping me, not a handful of schoolchildren. Dayden snapped. You don't know what she... I cut him off. I don't care. I don't care what you're bickering about. I don't care what she threw at you. I care that the fire is out. Taylor above, a trained dog would be more help. Dayden's expression firmed into a familiar belligerence. Maybe if- Shut up, I said. I would rather listen to a jackass braying than waste my time with whatever you're saying. When I come back to camp, I expect fire and a meal. If this is beyond you, I'll arrange to have some five-year-old come out from Crossin and babysit the both of you. Dayton stood. The wind gusted in the trees above us, sending down heavy drops to patter on the ground. You're on your way to a meal you won't be able to stomach, boy. And that's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Is it Good. is it Dayton's turn to get wood? <laughs> yeah, I think Sorry. so. I think that might be the problem. That might be why Hespi threw something at him. I suppose that's supposed to be implied. I was just sort of thinking, like, why doesn't Quoth just go get wood? Well, because Hespi says, like, when... We- Quoth comes into camp, he asks what happened to the fire, and Hespi says, it's not my turn to get wood. Right? It's a, Hespi said pointedly. And I think that that pointedly is meant to point us in Dayton's direction, right? Yeah, I guess nobody else is there to blame, so it must be his turn. Yeah, because Tempe, and, Tempe is also out, and Martin is like six, so they probably wouldn't have him do it. Yeah. yeah. As we'll learn on a couple pages from now, Tempe is extremely busy. There's one small thing I want to point out here. It's that uh, as Quoth gets angry, 
He says one line in meter. I would rather listen oh. to a jackass braying than waste my time with whatever you're saying. That could oh, be. Oh, I totally missed that. Yeah, that could be just an accident of dialogue, but I don't think Rothfuss no. has accidents, especially when it comes to meter. I think that as, and we've seen Quoth slip into meter before. I think that as he gets angry, um, as he like loses control or becomes emotional or lets his sleeping mind take over, uh, it starts to come out. So we do have, and it's like a very, you know, the way he frames the sentence is very poetic, right? He, it's not like, I'd rather listen to the hee-haws of a donkey or like, I'd rather listen to the braying of a donkey or like, you know, I would rather listen to a jackass braying and waste my time with whatever you're saying. It's extremely metered to me. Yeah, that's a I completely good point. missed the meter, but I'm glad that you noticed it. It's also perhaps not a coincidence that he specifically says, listen to a jackass braying, uh, given that he wrote a whole song about a jackass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that also stood out to me, although I think that it's not the point. Uh, no, I don't think it's the point either, but he might be subconsciously thinking like, oh, God, I'd rather have to listen to Ambrose like read a poem than listen to this guy. Mm-hmm. They're all, like, Quoth is not wrong, right? When he comes back and he, like, chews them out for, like, not just doing their goddamn jobs, how much is it to ask that their fire's ready and it's like, hot food when I come back from a hard day traipsing out after these bandits. Like, that's, I would be pissed too. But he is not being constructive. And I think he knows that on some level. But I think we all know on some level, like, when we blow our stack at someone because we're pissed off, and, like, we know on some level that we're probably not being constructive. We're not going to make this situation better. But that doesn't stop it from feeling good when you do it. Like, it's satisfying to let off steam at somebody who is driving you crazy, especially if you've like been having a bad day already. Yeah, for sure. I'd say definitely a very human moment. Mm-hmm. And this is as close to um, as close to blows as Dayton and Quoth ever get. We'll get to that on tomorrow's I mean, page. Yeah, they get they get pretty goddamn close. In fact, mm-hmm. I mean, no, we'll wait for tomorrow to talk about it. I think you're going to say what I'm what I want to say, Jeremy. I, I like we'll get to this tomorrow, but I, you know, just poking ahead, like I'm kind of hoping it does, you know, like I would love to see Dayton get a bit of comeuppance because he's been a real pill. Yeah, he, like that's the thing. Quoth's not wrong that Dayton is being a dickhead. And I honestly don't know what else I would do differently to try and get him to stop being a dickhead because Quoth has tried reasoning with him. He's tried like accommodating him and he's just a He's just a douchebag. But the thing that Quoth is about to do on tomorrow's page is out of proportion, I would say. <laughs> um, well, I mean, he's, but, it's not like, you know, it's self-defense, right? Anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there. I think that's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's his final card. Um, Indeed, it is his final card. But I also want to say, like, I wish that when I was mad enough to scream at somebody that I was as eloquent as Quoth is when I chewed them out. Because he's not just, like, swearing at them or calling them stupid. He's, like, coming up with pretty creative burns, you know. I'm surprised you can piss without help. Should I get, like, a toddler to babysit you? A trained dog would be more help. Like, that's, that's like, a slightly elevated level of uh, being hurtful, which is, of course, the best way to be hurtful. 
This is probably all the stuff he's been thinking also. Like, I know that when Mm -hmm. I'm upset, like, I think about all the great insults I want to say and all the, like, really cutting remarks I want to, I want to put in there. Yeah, me too. uh, You know, I, yeah. So. I just usually think of them afterwards, you know, like I'm in the shower, like, oh, I should have said this to that guy. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, they've been at this for, like, almost, you know, probably weeks, probably months now. And he's probably been pretty Mm. frustrated many times over. So he's probably had a lot of time to come up with these. He's been storing them up like the Adam stored their words. That's right. So that he That's can unleash right. them. Okay, not that I don't agree with you because I totally do. But also, I feel like sometimes shit like this only works in stories. Like, I've definitely had a moment where I was like, okay, I've got this thing. It's really clever and I'm going to say it. And it's a burn. And then I'll say it and it'll sound stupid when it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> Like even though it's like, like a like a thing that sounded really great in my head, and like sounded, it it's like almost like those things sound too bookish. So when applied in reality, it's just like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, no one expects your dialogue to be well written in real life. So when it does, sometimes it doesn't have the effect you want because it seems jarring and out of place. Yeah, yeah. But it, on it, the it, other it, hand, it could warrant someone making fun of making fun back at you, being like, oh, like. I think you have to walk the line between being intellectual and being crass. Um, Mm. I think to get a really good insult. Yeah. Like I think that's part of the difficulty of actually being witty is like being, being clever rather than just being smart. Uh, Because, you know, some people are witty enough in real life that whole books have been composed of just like the sick burns they got in on people in conversation. Uh, But uh, we're not all that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a letter today, if there's nothing else. Mailbag! Indeed. This is from Lori, a.k.a. Jordana's favorite, who writes on Tinkers and Teenagers. <laughs> At the beginning of their bandit hunting expedition, page 506, a tinker approached them singing, A wise man will still see the right time for spending. Enjoy the sunshine, but though you might feel fine, if you don't stop now, you'll be filled with regret. It's better to simply pay and prepare for a rainy day than think of the tinker when you're dripping wet. Their group ends up being heavily rained on, page 596, and this very page uh, in her copy. Quoth's books are so, and Quoth's boots are soaked through. Rather unfortunate that he did not buy the rubbing wax the tinker suggested for his boots. Is the tinker's song simply sage advice, or is this an example of their mystical powers? Regarding my teenage offspring... I originally kept your show to myself so I would not be forced to wait for our next drive together to listen. So my teens are currently delving into RPG podcasts that I hooked them on. Not sure if I'm simply a cool mom or if their teenage angst is insufficient, or perhaps they simply tolerate my presence knowing that I am their provider of funding and rides. They are in martial arts, robotics, and scouts for the curious minds. Mostly sure they will enjoy their mentions. We'll share it with them soon, or I would not have done so. Since you speculated as to how many teen parents were listeners, consider this. By the time you are done with Doors of Stone, how many of them will be? Sincerely, Jordana's favorite. I have claimed this as my nickname until otherwise gifted one by the trio of namers. That's as good a name as any. Uh, I, appre- I appreciate that she's just like, this is my nickname now. <laughs> I mean, it's, I hope that uh, no one is offended that they are not the favorite. Well, they just that just means they have to work harder for your approval. Yeah, they should have claimed it. It was available to be claimed, much like the, the wolf from Rampage. And uh, no one did it. So the race to the swift. Um, As to your letter, 
100% correct. It's on this very page that Quoth mentions that his boots don't have any waterproofing and that he fails to buy uh, boot wax. And uh, it's 100% tinker magic. This, uh, the rainstorm is not just uh, a parable. It is a literal rainstorm. They will be dripping wet and they will be at their worst when it happens. So if only Quoth had bought the wax from the tinker, perhaps things would have not got so bad with Dayton. Or at the very least, he'd had he'd have dry feet. He'd have like one less thing to be miserable about. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know about it fixing the whole Dayton issue, but I definitely think it would have made his feet dry. <laughs> now, as for RPG podcasts, I don't know if you've heard this, but there are a few actual play episodes on our Patreon backlog. Uh, notably, we played Dread some months ago, uh, where I was. Oh, was the... that the one where? <gasps> No, no, no spoilers. No spoilers, Jordana. We played Dread, a wonderful role-playing horror game where Jordana and Jeremy played themselves. Uh, (laughs) So uh, if you're looking for... And it was indeed horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it gets the seal of Jordana's horror. Um, And it's a great game. You should check out Dread. Published by... Uh, I have it right here. Check out Dread, published by The Impossible Dream. Wonderful RPG, very easy to uh, DM for. And the book is a really great book, not just because it's a great uh, game, but because the book has really great tips for how to write horror uh, and how to game master for horror. So if you want to show uh, your teenaged offspring some actual play podcasts starring us, why don't you go and become a patron for as little as a dollar? You get access to every back issue, uh, back episode on the Patreon. I feel like our episode is kind of funny, though. Compared, like, I actually don't listen to other podcasts that do that, but I assume that they're kind of more serious. And you I feel like wrong. ours is funny. <laughs> oh, okay. I think <laughs> the actual. I mean, there's all kinds of actual play podcasts, but I think for a lot of people, the 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 humor of goofing off with your friends is part of the fun, and a lot of them are are uh, cast with actual comedians. Like a lot of it is like you know professional comics playing D and D, like. Wound oh, wow. Tales of Magic is one of those nerds playing poker. Well, a lot of the those. the bigger ones. I think there's a lot of podcasts yeah. with, you know, amateurs or or semi pro role players and writers and things like that. I mean, mm-hmm. Critical Role needs no introduction. Indeed. Well, because Rothfuss is on the Penny Arcade one, right? The Ac- Acquisitions Incorporated. I think occasionally. Um, I don't know if he's still doing it, and he's he's been on a couple other ones as well. I think they did a uh, they did a. Uh, a live they did a podcast actual play when they play tested the upcoming um king killer role-playing game um we were going to do an episode on it but i think we all didn't like the the podcast we all found it a bit tedious so uh we didn't actually uh go too deep into it but there is a role-playing game coming out and if uh, actual plays are your thing uh check that out i don't remember what that podcast is called i will look it up at some point and uh Actually, I guess, I'll, I guess I'll do it right now. It just takes a cursory Google. In the meantime, vamp for me. Well, Nick is cursory Googling. One of the things that I think makes Dread such a compelling game is that the game mechanic is a Jenga tower. So every time your character wants to do something that might be risky, they have to take a pull from the tower. And when the tower collapses, whoever made it collapse, their character is doomed. And... Uh, they either die right then and there, or if it doesn't make sense in the story for that to happen, they die at kind of the first opportunity. And it's a great example of the mechanics of the game directly contributing to the the mood and the the 
the direction of the fiction because as you see the Jenga towers start to get more and more precarious, you start to uh, you know be worried like oh my god, one of us is going to die any minute. Uh, things are just getting worse and worse and worse. It's great. It's tremendous fun. Uh, the podcast is called One Shot, the One Shot Podcast, episode three six zero. There you go. Uh, and listeners, we will give you one shot, one opportunity uh, to write us in on tomorrow's page. Uh, the the way. way.